everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk Markets. I'm your host, Pink, with my co-host, Dave Lauer. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. How are you, Pink? Doing good. We are back from a bit of a hiatus, a bit of a spring break that we took, and but we're back with a punch. There's a lot going on this week. Uh, the title of this week's po- podcast is Shorty Want to Be a Thug. So we've got a lot to talk about with banking and short sellers and things like that. Um, I want to start with, we, we did have really big plans for this week as far as the comment letters and everything. Uh, we were going to unveil a comprehensive point-for-point response to the hail of falsehoods that were recently fired in our direction. Uh, Together, we, the investors, submitted more than 5,300 comment letters highlighting the need for a massive market overhaul and offered realistic reforms supported by academic evidence and real-world studies and pilots. Uh, In response, defenders of the status quo have released the hounds, and not just on us, mind you, uh, Citadel and Virtue have worked diligently to discredit anyone who threatens their money, their money funnel, um, so SEC Chair Gensler is not excluded from that either. They've kind of set their sights on him. The other day, Virtue CEO Doug Sifu called us all grifters. Um, and that was interesting. I, you guys kind of got in a little spat. So congratulations to everyone listening and we, the investors. Uh, we are now officially a threat. Wouldn't you say so, Dave? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, he keeps gaslighting people. And, uh, you know, I got to say my first reaction is, uh, you know, after I got uh, annoyed and angry at it, I said, you know, that's kind of awesome. Like we're, we're a threat. (laughs) They're, they're, they're coming after us hard in every way possible. You know, it would have been one thing, I think if uh, folks like him and Citadel, uh, but mostly Virtu, if if Virtu had really argued on the merits and debated us and we would have that debate anytime, anywhere with anyone, uh, but they haven't done that. It's been all ad hominem attacks. Um, and, you know, he came on Twitter just to tell us what he thinks of us. And, you know, I, I like to play some, I like to play poker. I don't know about you, Pink, but uh, yeah. poker, we call that a tell. Um, yeah. Showing and, your hand there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and, you know, I've heard other things. Um, you know, Virtu is circulating uh, this document around Congress that is just completely false and misleading and misrepresents the views of a lot of industry uh, firms and misrepresents their public comment letters. I mean, it's crazy. You know, I, an example, uh, just a couple examples, right? Like uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors, a huge asset manager, uh, Virtu had them listed as part of the industry consensus against the best execution rule, against the order competition rule, and pulled a quote out of their comment letter to make it look like they're really against the order competition rule. Um, whereas, you know, they say the opportunity to compete for retail orders could be a positive development, and we generally support market-created mechanisms that allow more market participants to interact with retail order flow. Uh, our portfolios tend to be widely diversified, and we believe it likely our clients would benefit from the opportunity to interact with retail order flow. Does that sound like the kind of a firm, uh, the kind of a comment letter from a firm who is opposed to the order right. competition rule, right? It's grossly misrepresenting and cherry picking all of these things. I yeah. mean, that's, we'll share the little uh, infographic whenever we post this up. We've got to share that. That, that. That's literally circulating around our legislators right now. That's yeah. what th- is being represented to them as truth. And it's, it is so offensively, grossly misrepresented. It, 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 Another crazy thing, they have the logos of a bunch of pension plans, Ontario Teachers Fund, CalPERS, CalSTRS, CPP, TRS. They've got the logos in there as if 
all of these firms uh, agree with Virtu that there's broad industry consensus against these rules. They didn't even file a comment letter on most of the rules. And the only one they did was like a two pager that said, we support these rules. It's wow. just wild. And this is just like, this is the tip of the iceberg. So yeah, we're, we're you know, it, when we thought that we were gonna be combating, you know, merit-based arguments, uh, we thought we were gonna be able to put together something pretty pretty well, pretty quickly. The, the falsehoods and the lies and the misrepresentations kind of caught off us, cut us off guard. Maybe that's naive, but um, you know, no, we're honestly, yeah, yeah, it, it's just it was like I thought we were all functioning adults that were trying to discuss, <laughs> you know, the topic <laughs> right. at hand and the the level of, I mean, gaslighting. The term gets thrown around a lot, but I mean, they're just so used to controlling the narrative through media and through, yeah. you know, every outlet. And now that we have established our place at the table they're kind of panicking and they're like, no, you know, look over here. This is, we, we want to control the narrative still. Yeah. So um, it was quite offensive. And I think that retail investors should be offended at just how low they're willing to, to go. Like yeah. they're going I mean, Tonya Harding you know, they've, on us. They've, they've done this kind of stuff <laughs> unopposed in the past, right? They've just been able to fling whatever they want and it's worked. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're going to try and make sure it doesn't work this time. And, you know, uh, lying they're, they're lying and their ad hominem attacks are a pretty good strategy if they didn't weren't going up against someone who could respond but we are gonna we're gonna do that we're gonna make sure congress understands the depth of the misrepresentations and we're gonna make sure their clients like virtu has clients and they are misrepresenting what their clients think and you know we'll make sure their clients know that and we'll see how they feel about that so absolutely you know, that's something we're working on we're gonna be uh, putting out both, you know, a, a quick overview to show the, the falsehoods and the misrepresentations. We'll also be uh, putting together uh, an, a follow-on comment letter. Um, so, yeah, I would say stay tuned. For now, we're, we're working on all of this. Yeah, but that does, you know, we want to focus again on, in spite of how negative the mud flinging may be, that means that they're paying attention to us, and that's awesome. Yeah, um, that's you right. Know, and and I can tell you, a moment from his day hopping on Twitter to tell us about it. That means <laughs> that we're in his head, like we right. are living rent free in his head right that's now. Right. So, and it's not just on Twitter. It's you know, I I talk to someone who is is sort of working Congress, uh, meeting with a lot of members of Congress in their offices to make sure they understand these issues. And he told me that every office he goes to, Citadel was just there or they've already talked to them. We know that these guys are scrambling right yeah. now. And you know, if, if that says anything, it says that what we've been doing has been really effective. What the SEC is trying to do is really effective. And everything, you know, I think right now is going in the right direction. And we're proving ourselves a worthy, competent opponent. I mean, not, not even opponent, but just we were, you know, thanks to the help of you, we the investors, Tiger Hill, you know, we're gonna have those guys on at some point soon, hopefully, are the yeah. we the investors lobbyists? Uh, we are presenting ourselves very well and reputably, and so there's nothing more threatening to them than a reputable opponent like us. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've had nothing but good feedback on our engagements with the chair's office and with the SEC, and those opportunities are going to keep coming. Um, and that just tells you, you know, that again, we've got that seat at the table, and it's a pretty unique one, uh, not one right. that. That I've seen, you know, an organization like this have before. So it's it's uh, it's great to see. 
and we continue to work on it. Um, and even as we blow through one smoke screen, uh, this week's headlines have been dominated by another. It's been all over Reddit. It's been, I mean, it's been crazy. Even Wall Street Bets is kind of like uh, making bets on what's going to happen. So the recent collapse of three mid-sized banks, we've talked a little bit about that in past episodes, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature Bank, First Republic, they qualify together as the biggest banking failures in the U.S. since the 2008 financial crisis. I actually have a little infographic that we'll share a link to as well that shows that um, in visual data as far as how big the 2008 crash was and how these three banks literally equal that. Um, so that's... That's something. Um, after several years of microscopic interest rates, the Fed announced a sudden rise in interest rates at the end of 2022. Uh, it intended to dampen sharply rising consumer prices. It also sent a shock, though, through the middle tiers of the banking system. So um, uh, institutional investors smelled the blood in the water and they began betting hard against certain regional banks. And those of you that had the front row seats in the GameStop theater saga know exactly what this means. So the institutional investors began aggressively short selling stocks for the most fragile banks. It's kind of uncool, but it's totally legal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I look, I, I think that short selling and you know a lot of people actually don't like it when i say this but i i do think i think short selling is an important element for free and fair markets and and it's been shown conclusively time and again markets work better when short selling is allowed but you know when it's done appropriately and you know if a stock is overpriced it's healthy to be able to borrow shares from someone else sell those to someone else bet that it's going to drop in price and you can buy back the shares at a lower price and you intend on buying them back, pocketing the difference. You know, the other investors betting the market's going to go up, you're betting the market's going to go down and that's a market. That's, that's yeah. good. That's healthy, right? But it's very different from what we, you know, what, what I think people call short and distort campaigns or smash and grab campaigns where, you know, the, the, the media, uh, social media, traditional media, even regulators are used to spread falsehoods or to spread information uh, by those who are betting against these companies. And potentially, as we're going to talk about in a bit, you know, betting against them in what Jamie Dimon, the CEO of <laughs> J.P. Morgan, called unscrupulous ways, right? And yeah. he really highlighted this in the banking sector the thing that we've been looking at and think and seeing across the market in many different places. Um, and I think there's a real question right now as to what the sequence of events actually was that kind of kicked off these bank runs, which, you know, what tail was wagging which dog. And, you know, it, it was a, was it a, I guess I should say, a concerted campaign that leveraged social media uh, to bet and and you know used by people betting against these stocks to precipitate a run on these banks. And if you look, I, there was a great thread on uh, Twitter I, that I I tweeted out or I I retweeted him uh, from Bob Elliott, and he really dove into this and he said, you know what what drove the losses of the bank stocks? And he looked at PacWest and Western Alliance, and and it, you know it was real clear short selling and put activity. Um, and that it wasn't just, you know, these individual stocks, KRE, which is the, has the fourth most traded options contract. That's the regional bank ETF, fourth most traded options contract uh, that week, the, the first week of May. 
behind spy cues and IWM, right? So you've got this attack on the banks, this attack on the ETF, um, and it, it led to this feedback loop of people seeing the stock price crashing, hearing rumors that these banks were insolvent or borderline insolvent, leading to a deposit run, which led to the, the prices to continue to drop. And it led to this, you know, what's called a positive feedback loop um, between sort of the banking run and the trading dynamics of these stocks. And, you know, for some of these companies, like they were relatively healthy. Um, and it, you know, this was more just a sort of confidence issue um, than anything else. And, and what, what Bob also said was looking at data from the Fed showed that there wasn't much actual funding stress in the banking system at all. And, you know, once, once First Republic was resolved, uh, the discount window dropped dramatically. Uh, there were big moves in the, the, the new facility, the BTFP, um, that was created in response to these issues. Um, and then, you know, it, if you look at sort of, you know, deposits and deposit quality and our deposits flying and, and fleeing, you don't see that. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there's a real question right now. And uh, there was, uh, I think there was a Reuters article that said the SEC was looking into this. And then you had Jamie Dimon coming out and talking about it. You know, so I, I think that the issues that we tend to care about, which are market structure and abuse of short selling, um, we're, we're kind of playing out at a different level um, with this run on the banking stocks. Yeah, it's interesting how we've been yelling it from the rooftops for, you know, almost two and a half years now because it affected retail and, you know, a beloved retailer. But now, as with anything else, you come after the rich and their money, that's when they start to, that's when regulation starts to change and they start to, you know, regulators maybe do start to pay attention because you can't, you can't threaten their money. And so um, it's just been interesting to watch that play out on such a higher level, like you said, um, after coming from the degenerate Reddit crowd of, you know, watching the GameStop saga unfold. So well, it's crazy. If you look at what Jamie Dimon said, uh, you know, he might as well have been posting this on Wall Street Bets. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, I love this quote. My folks tell me, you know, so he's, he's like, he, he said regulators should ban short selling on bank stocks. And, and he's like, my folks tell me if you analyze stocks and short sales, it's not that big a deal. I think they may be, they may partially be wrong because as you know, some people are unscrupulous and they use other means to go short. So, I mean, what does that mean? You know, what is, how, translate that for us, what he's trying to say. You know, I, well, what I think he's trying to say is, um, you know, first of all, that the sky's not falling. And, uh, and, and, you know, he has confidence. Look, JP Morgan stepped in and, um, you know, they, they, they helped to resolve the, this crisis, at least we'll see, we hope. Um, but that means they get bigger and they needed a waiver from the Fed uh, in order to, to do that. So now, the, you know, the, the con concentration in the banking industry continues to increase. Too big to fail uh, firms continue to get bigger. That's, that's a big problem. That's a concern for everyone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think what he's saying is that short sellers are, you know, making a lot of money and doing things in an unscrupulous way, such as using third party groups to spread falsehood and disinformation. 
targeting stocks through various online channels, uh, using social media to proliferate unchecked disinformation. Imagine that, right? Uh. <laughs> uh, and when he was asked whether there were those colluding on social media to drive down stock prices, you know, Jamie Dimon said it's possible that's taking place. Um, and, you know, he said he, he gets it. It's difficult to prove these claims, but that's by design. And, he, you right. know, I, I think is, is, what he said was, you know, in my experience, if something can be abused in this industry, and I'm paraphrasing, it will be. Right. Um, and I think everyone understands and agrees that that's sort of the central problem. And if, if someone like Jamie Dimon is saying that there's not even enough transparency out there to determine what kind of short selling is taking place, whether it's legit or unscrupulous, as he says, whether it's being used to manipulate markets or not, you know, I think that's a pretty strong endorsement of many of the reforms that we've been pushing for and many of the things that a lot of people have been saying for many years now. Absolutely. And the, the enemy of the enemy is my friend, right? So, I mean, <laughs> short term, it's, it's good to know that there's such a big player that is sort of at least saying some of the same things and echoing some of the same concerns that we have. So that's interesting. We'll definitely be looking into uh, how that plays out and seeing how, you know, Wall Street Bets is a really interesting look into sort of the heart of what retail thinks about this. So it's been funny to watch this play out through memes. Uh, yeah. That's kind of how I've been keeping up with everything. That's right. And I saw something else about Robinhood starting 24-hour trading is that right i don't keep up with robin hood because robin hood is evil and i'm um i'm a purist when you know from the gme front so i do try to stay out of that um but yeah, yeah what is that yeah, all about so they, they are very excited that they're going to allow people to trade 24 5 so during the week anytime um and i think people really need to understand what that means okay so do when you put an order in during the trading day from between 9.30 a.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, you have a backstop for your, for your trade called the NBBO, the National Best Bid and Offer. And it is a rule in markets that a trade has to take place, uh, depending, you know, assuming that it, it is of, of, you know, the size is not bigger than what's being displayed at, at the NBBO, that it has to take place at that price or better. But that's only something that exists from 9.30 a.m. till 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, outside of that, there's nothing, right? There is no protection whatsoever. Your only protection is that these firms are following their best execution policies and procedures, and that those policies and procedures are sufficient to get you a decent price. Um, in pre-market and post-market, there's very little liquidity. Things are very volatile. Uh, these firms have complete control over the prices that they want to execute orders at. Um, and uh, this is not something I would ever touch with a 20-foot pole. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, that I wouldn't even trust it with like, that guy's money and yeah. <laughs> you know, someone else's account. I wouldn't even do it to them. Yeah. So, um, you know, those yeah. policies and procedures are internal, right? And so, I that's mean, right. that's, yeah. you're trusting their internal procedures, which, you know, we've watched play out all the way in front of Congress. I mean, I've, I've lost track of how many, uh, I think well over a hundred million dollars of fines against Robinhood 
uh, for best execution violations. And it's really hard to get someone for a best execution violation. It almost never happens. Uh, the saying is it's like trying to nail jello to a wall yeah. to enforce best execution. Uh, and yet Robinhood of all firms has been fined by the SEC, by FINRA, uh, I believe by a New York uh, attorney general, but I, I'd have to double check on that. I'd, but, you know, they are someone uh, that is a firm that I don't understand how they're still in business. I don't understand how they still are allowed to be a broker dealer, uh, given all of these violations. And it's always just a fine. Um, and it's never any any other repercussions than that. Right. Um, so it's yeah, I, I, I think there's more to talk about here and, and we'll, we'll spend a little more time on it maybe next time. I know it's all being routed through some dark pool through an ATS after hours. Um, and I haven't really looked much into that. But, you know, it, there's no doubt in my mind that that's just, you know, going to be a place for all the wholesalers to sit. Um, and do whatever they want with the, Yeah, the it's price. a dark alley of the trading world. And I mean, $100 million in fines, and they're still standing unscathed as an, a company. That tells you just how profitable Bernie Madoff's PFOF really is. You know, that, sure. that really speaks volumes to the profitabil profitability versus the fines. Yeah, Robin Hood is the poster child for Bernie Madoff's business model. That's for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And, you know, that's there's a lot of people eating eating well because of that and, you know, are still profiting greatly. And that's, I'm not seeing nearly enough, like, it's a trap memes anywhere. That's funny. That was the first one I looked up when I wanted to, like, yeah, articulate that view. Like, that's that's awesome. I didn't do it. But yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of, a, of course, not financial advice and then you make whatever decisions you like. But I, like Dave said, I wouldn't I wouldn't use my worst enemy's money to invest that way. So, um, yeah, and, and but that is just all presents happening um, there. there in, there's a, a, maybe some context here that there is an exchange that is applied to the SEC uh, for. 24-hour trading. Uh, it has not been approved yet, I don't believe. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I think, what the SEC comes out with vis-a-vis -vis that exchange and how that might impact, you know, what Robinhood is trying to do. Right. Which wouldn't be a negative. I mean, we live in a 24-hour world, and but I mean, just getting down to T plus zero is a fight. So it's, you know, all of this just really highlights the the reforms that we're fighting for with we, the investors with payment for order flow with, you know, we could go on and on about the things that Doug Sifu is so angry about. I mean, there's plenty of reform to be made. So uh, I, th there's not a, there's not a limited supply here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that when you look at it, when you think about the banking crisis as well, and you think, you know, what can be done here? Um, I think, Part of it is we need better disclosures on short selling activity. That, that's just a huge thing, right? If, if we don't have the disclosures today to determine what's going on, which Jamie Dimon says we don't, then you know that's something that really needs to be addressed. And part of that is through you know what's called 13D, 13F, and 13F2. So those are things that we, at least for 13F2, that was the first comment letter campaign that we, the investors, ran uh, to say that short selling, short position disclosures should simply mirror long position disclosures. You know, when asset managers take out a position of more than 5% in a company, they have to report that 
that's 13F and 13D, and short sellers should have to do the exact same thing, and we should also include derivative positions in those disclosures. Um, so that's something that we feel very strongly about. 13D is another one um, where we're starting to look into that and see that you know there are some issues there about head activist hedge funds that can use attacks and manipulative campaigns uh, to disrupt public companies and to try and attack them or lead activist campaigns, which can sometimes be good, but can often be used for manipulation. Um, and so that's another area that we need uh, quicker disclosure, more robust disclosure. I mean, there have been calls for real-time short-selling uh, activities disclosure. That's something we would support, absolutely. That's um, a dream, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's the dream. Exactly. And, you know, that's the thing is uh, a, a lot of the pushback you hear from these firms are like, oh, but, the, you know, if you had that kind of disclosure, it can be used to reverse engineer trading strategies or it can be used to target short sellers, all this. But you know what? They have these disclosures in Europe and they ain't right. doing that. And right, it's just fine. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like they 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 don't want you to see what's going on over here, and they want to pretend that you know the U.S. is completely unique, and it's not. Like we can learn from what other countries and other jurisdictions have done, and we can adopt best practices, and that's what will keep us, or at least put us back as the best markets in the world. Because if you look at it, we're not, and and there are all sorts of reasons for that. But a big part of it is fragmentation and market manipulation, and part of it is like these lack of disclosures. Uh, because the opacity serves a lot of incumbents really well and a lot of hedge funds really well and doesn't serve the rest of the market. But unfortunately, they're the ones who are the loudest and the best funded in their advocacy campaigns. And so that's that's just another thing that I think we can work on and try to address. Absolutely. And there's there's no lack of astroturfing from these guys, like we talked about earlier with the, the infographic and just the, I mean, they want to control the narrative. So it's something that we need to stay vigilant about as individuals in our communities online. Yeah. As we, you know, as we move forward with this, we need to remain vigilant, not only at the task at hand and to stay proactive um, and to stay plugged into the We the Investors, you know, what's happening and what we're proposing in the future. Uh, but that's, it's just so important to stay vigilant to the conversations being had around us about this. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and to just use your head, you know, and make sure that who, who right. consider the source whenever and, and you. Yeah. That's, that's such an important point. Right. So, you know, what, one thing that these guys are doing is they're like, Oh, look at this, look at this. Uh, the, the, uh, the managed funds association opposes this rule as does SIFMA, as does the chamber of commerce, as does this guy and this guy. And you know what, every time you hear that, you should be like, Oh, so Citadel opposes it. And so does Citadel and so does yeah, Citadel, Citadel and Citadel's chamber of commerce and all of these guys, the committee on capital markets regulation, even when Robin Hood is coming out, who do you think Robin Hood's interests are aligned with you, you the, the user or the, the, their actual customer who actually pays them Citadel right. and Virtu, right? So, right. you know, the funding of these organizations which is known to some people, but not everyone. And sometimes reporters will quote these these folks uh, without context and without making it clear that you know it's all coming from one or two sources that fund all of these different efforts. Absolutely, and that's why it's so important that we prepare a proper response. A well yeah, yeah. a well researched and well articulated response does take time. Uh, like I said earlier, we've got Tiger Hill working on it. Of course, you've been working tirelessly on it. We've got the whole team working on it. Um, and we definitely do have a full response coming to the critics. And um, 
we don't intend to leave the gloves on for that one. I don't think, <laughs> but, and I also can't wait. I think next week we should dive deeper into this whole Robin hood thing because there's just so much that even your average investor isn't aware of, of even their business model. So yeah. uh, I look forward to seeing how that plays out and uh, we can touch more on that next week, but we are just about out of time for today. We covered a lot of ground yeah. and um, it's nice to see that we're kind of leveling up and we're approaching more of a boss fight. The boss at least knows <laughs> that we're like in the dungeon, you know, yeah, it keeps getting harder. So we yeah. must be going in the right direction, right? Yeah. So thanks everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, we will see you next week on let's talk markets. Thanks Dave. Thanks yeah, everybody. Thanks. thanks everyone. See you next time.